Welcome to the How Soccer Explains Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership principles through the lens of the beautiful game. Welcome back to How Soccer Explains Leadership. Thanks again for being part of the conversation. I'm Phil Dark, your host, and with me is my co-host, Paul Jobson. And uh, we're doing something a little different today. Normally, we have a guest on. We're going to talk to that guest about some really cool things that you're going to learn from. Today, Paul and I are going to have a conversation about recruiting. It's kind of piggybacking on the conversation we did with Don Williams in Recruiting 101 back a a while, a long time ago. I forget the exact date, but it was episode, uh, actually it was January of 2021. So that tells you when it was episode 14. We also recast it at one point. I think it is the most downloaded episode of How Soccer Explains Leadership History. And maybe this episode might just overtake that. Who knows? Because we're going to talk with Paul. He's now with SRUSA, which is who Don works with. So Paul and Don are working together now. But we just want to talk with Paul about some of the recruiting things to be looking for, some of the things, if you're in the recruiting process, if you're a coach, from that perspective, all these different things, obviously, Paul coached for uh, Baylor and uh, a couple other schools and played for a while. So he was through the recruiting process uh, in all different ways. He hasn't been there as a parent yet, but I have a feeling that'll happen someday. So anyway, Paul, what's up, man? Hey, Phil. Yeah, things are good, man. I, I definitely would just encourage folks to go back to that episode with Don because Don Don is always spouting off amazing uh knowledge not just on the recruiting trail but just life in general and if you have an opportunity follow him on all the social media accounts too because he's always got great wisdom coming from him from his experience as a as a as a coach and a parent so he's got a lot of experience but yeah things are things are going well here just locked and loaded with srusa now and just uh helping clients through this process and we're going to talk about it today the recruiting process is it's crazy. You know, if you've never been through it, it can be really, really overwhelming if you start to look at it and think about the different deadlines that are there. And then you start to realize how many schools are actually out there and, um, you know, what does that process actually look like? There are actually NCAA rules and you're starting to think of all these things that, you know, am I going to do something wrong? Can I, you know, how, where do I go for, for help on this? So anytime we can jump on and have a conversation about recruiting, like you mentioned, for the player, for the parents, for coaches, you know, I, I think this helps college coaches, this helps club coaches, parents, of course, and, and players in general uh, to help navigate just some of the, the the craziness that goes on through this recruiting process. Because at the end of the day, honestly, if you're being recruited, it should be fun. This should be a yeah. fun, a fun point of life where, you know, people, people want you, right? That there's something that you have that's attractive and they want to bring you on and be part of their program. The hard part is getting over that that hump of figuring out who are those coaches that do like me, what I have to offer, and do I like them and their program? And that's what yeah. we'll kind of talk through today is what are those things that kind of fit to make that all happen? Yeah, you know, and I always talk about, and I even talk about with Don a little bit, the parallels with the employment search as well in the, you know, the future. It, it isn't just a one-way street. It's not, oh, I hope they like me. It's a two-way street where... You know, really, usually what happens in the job market, at least that I've found, is when I like them, they like me, usually, because it's a it's a fit. And you hear Don talk about that right fit, you know, and and you you see that as your your time with Baylor. I mean, you were there a long time. Obviously, you were there 
as Marcy's assistant, as well as the head coach. What's the difference there? You know, as far as who is typically taking the lion's share of recruiting, what does that look like on on the coaching side of that as well? And, you know, at Baylor, a top school, you're probably getting inundated with emails and videos and all these other things. So from that side, just kind of take a minute to say, what does it look like from the coach's side and the recruiting process as an assistant, as well as as a head coach? Yeah, but before we jump into that, you mentioned just the the the, the job recruitment process. I, I said this a lot at Baylor. People forget that we were recruited as coaches to come mm-hmm. to Baylor or, or whatever school a coach is at. They were they were being recruited, whether they reached out and said, hey, I'd be interested in the job or the athletic department reached out and said, hey, we'd love you to consider this job. That's a recruiting process, too. And you, yeah. like you said, it, it goes both ways. Like when we looked at Baylor, I remember going to visit and and leaving on the airplane, telling Marcy, man, whoever gets that job is sitting on a gold mine. We think it could be a really successful program, even though they've had 10 years of, of, of losing. We yeah. felt like it could be a great program. And we were blessed to, to get that offer. And of course, it was a right fit for us. So we took that. So it plays very well into the recruiting process for, for these prospective student athletes, too. From the coaches side of things, yeah, you know, Depending on the size of the program will depend on how many coaches they actually have on staff and how many are recruitable coaches um, at the, the top level. You know, your, your head coach is usually the one that seals the deal. Right. Uh, you've gone through the process. You may have an interaction now and again, but at your bigger programs. There's usually a recruiting coordinator. There's one assistant coach that is in charge of kind of spreading the net, seeing what's out there, talking to their consultants to their club coaches that they know to other college coaches, to be quite honest with you, uh, to get a lay of the land uh, of who's out there and out on the out, you know, on the pitch every weekend, you know, watching different club players compete. And those are the ones you're usually interacting with the most. So one of the keys is like, who is the person on the staff that's actually handling the recruit, the day-to-day recruiting process. Um, And usually a lot of schools will have a recruiting coordinator in their, in their title or in their bio, you know, helps with the recruiting process. Because usually the head coach, not that they're not involved in recruiting at all. Usually they'll sit in a meeting, their assistants will bring in like, Hey, here are the kids we have. They probably have a board. You know, we had a board listing, you know, every age group every year, like who are the kids, top kids, middle kids, you know, bottom kids that we're considering who's coming to our camps, uh, that sort of thing. And kind of weeding through what we think are right fits for us as coaches. And the important thing there is to understand as a player, like we were just saying, coaches are trying to figure out what's the right fit for our program, right? We, we, you know, through our career at our different schools, we turned around, turned away a good number of kids that were probably really, really good soccer players that we didn't feel were going to be a really good fit for what we needed in that moment, you know? And yeah. some people are like, man, like you'll see it a lot. I'm sure a lot of clubs experience this. like, man, why did that team, you know, not go after this one kid. Well, maybe they're heavy in that position, you know, or that, you know, that, you know, they've really got to spend their money on a, on a goal, a top level goalkeeper for this certain class, you know, or uh, there's some other things maybe that, that come out during the recruiting process also. So make sure I'd say just the first thing is like, you know, figure out who the, the real communicator is on the staff, you know, the small, obviously the smaller the school, the smaller the staff, the easier that it is to figure that out. And sometimes if you don't know, if you're putting out your initial email, send it to all the coaches that are on staff. There's nothing wrong with that because the one that's supposed to respond will, will respond. And the ones that don't, you know, they're not going to. Yeah, absolutely. I remember talking with Amanda Cromwell back when she was at UCLA mm-hmm. and here, and she would get like a thousand emails a day. 
or something like that. She was saying maybe a little exaggeration, mm -hmm. but what, what would you get inundated like that at Baylor? Yeah. What's funny. What's funny is, you know, when we first, you know, when we first took over, you know, at, at Baylor, you know, we always joked around that we had to go beat the bushes and turn over rocks to find kids because, you know, you had 10 years of a losing program, you know, you'd have kids that were interested, but it's like, okay, that's not really the, the level that we're trying to take yeah. the program. So you're trying to go out and find the next level kid. So yeah, you're, but you're still getting inundated with emails. They just may not be right fit emails. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, the part part there is, as you're going through these, you know, you know, multiple hundreds of emails a week, what stands out? Right. You know, what makes a kid stand out in those emails? And, and I would say like, you can't read through every single email, but something has to stand out to catch the coach's attention. You know, if I got it as a head, as a head coach, if I got the email, something would have to stand out for me to say, Hey, you know, guys, I'm forward of, Hey guys, check this kid out, do some research, see if this is something that's worth pursuing as the assistant coach, I would get those forwarded from, from Marcy, uh, who was the head coach at the time and say, Hey, you need to research this and, and check this out. But what caught their attention? As an assistant, you're going through those emails probably a little bit more thoroughly, but again, you're getting, you know, you know, hun hundreds, you know, sometimes I think a thousand during a week is, is a lot, but it's possible during certain times of the year when you hit the summer and you've got all these recruiting events and you're getting an email from every kid on a club team and you're, you know, just ECNL, you're, you know, six age groups yeah. deep in ECNL yeah. and, yeah. you know, it's, it does get pretty wild. So what makes you stand out, you know? So those are things to to really consider because there is a lot to to go through, and then now you've got you know the impact of social media and and you know who are coaches following on social media. So what are you what are you putting out there? I can say a lot of times if I got really interested in a kid, one of the first places I went, you know, was social media. You know, what's what's that content look like? And I'm not looking at your soccer skills necessarily. Right. You know, I'm like, what else? What else do you do? What else is important to you? What else is interesting? What are you saying? You know don't stand out that way. Right. <laughs> I don't, yeah. You know, you're going to stand out, but make sure you're standing out in the right way that puts, puts yourself out, you know, who you really are out there uh, to these coaches. Cause they're, they're doing research. It's, it's important to them to get it, to get it right. I, I think, I think there's a misconception at times from parents and maybe some players, but primarily parents who just think like, why, you know, of course your kid is, is the most important kid to you, of course. So why doesn't everybody else view it that way? Well, yeah. they're viewing, you know, hundreds of parents, children the same way. Like, okay, we've just got to find the right fit for us. And, but when it hits and, and as a parent, as a player, you realize you've got that connection with a staff. It, it's an amazing feeling. Um, and yeah. I've seen players go through that, you know, on every side of even kids that when I was at, a, at schools and they weren't a great fit for me, but we helped them find another place that was a great fit. And those are just amazing conversations to say, Hey, like we found the right spot for you. It wasn't here, but you know, you can play somewhere. Like, let's go find yeah. that place that really is going to value what you bring, what you bring to the table. Yeah. And I want to get to that later. You talked about coaches talking to coaches. I definitely yeah. want to talk about that because yeah. Don has had a bunch of tweets about like, Hey, be careful how you treat a coach. Don't ghost a coach. Cause you don't know who that coach knows. Let's get to that in a, in a few minutes, but I want to, I want to yep. definitely touch on, you said stand out. And you also talked about this board that you had kind of your like first, you know, your first bunch and then like the middle and then the, okay, here's kind of the kids. If we can't get those top two tiers. Okay. Yep. So what, what, what were some of those things that stood out to you other than the fact that like, you know, 
the the girl was held by your wife or something when she was a baby like you know that yeah, that happens happened. that, yeah, that happens happened yeah. yeah once yeah. yeah whatever and that oh, might yeah. lead to like co-hosting a show later with that guy or you something you never know but you never know what can happen but that's like the one off no but what normally typically gets the attention of a coach you know obviously it's different for everybody but then how how does a kid who might not be the ECNL player the you know, it's that diamond in the rough kid. How does that kid get noticed and end up on one of those boards at, at a at a school like Baylor? Yeah, so a couple a couple different things. First off, you know, the the, the top players are the top players. Yeah. And they're gonna they're gonna be on every top school's board across the country. You right. know, those are the those are the easy ones. I always say any coach can go sit at a field, watch two teams play, and pick out the two most talented kids on the field. That that's the easy part. The hard part mm-hmm. comes is when like, okay, which kids are you going to actually going to be able to get at your program? Even if you're a top program, you know, yeah. which we were for, for many years, but we still weren't getting the, you know, the consistent national team kids and that sort of thing. But we were getting that next tier kid that would help us be competitive and compete with the schools that, that had all those national team kids. So how do you stand out in that way? Right. You've got the talent that stands out. That's an, that's an obvious one. Another other ways to stand out. We had a kid that we recruited who ended up going all the way through our program, graduated, was a top player for us through her career, um, but was not a, a top standout kid on our board. It actually was a, a nobody. We didn't know who she was. She played at a nobody club uh, in the middle of nowhere, but loved our school and wanted an opportunity. So what she did is she just kept putting herself in front of us, emails emails. Hey, I'm going to be at this event. Hey, I just saw you guys, you know, beat the University of Texas. That's such a great win. Congratulations on this. Great job with that. I just saw that so-and-so committed. I love her. She's a great player. Like really built a relationship, even though sometimes it was just one way. Mm -hmm. And then this kid shows up at, you know, at our summer camp, you know, or she shows up on the sideline of of a game. Like she was fully invested in standing out as someone that we should consider. So you kind of build that relationship that way. That's a way to stand out is, is make it like, you know, make those coaches feel like, you know, they're special too. And I hate to say it that way because yeah, you've got to no, be but... talented enough to make it on a, in a program. But if you don't have the, you know, the letters or the club or whatever to kind of help substantiate who you are, you have to stand out on your own a little bit. And that's what this kid did. You know, she went all in and said, and I know we weren't the only school she was doing that to, and it shouldn't be. Don't put all your eggs yeah. in one basket. But you know, find those couple of schools that you feel like are really the right fit and and help yourself stand out by, you know, make making sure that your emails stand out, you know, that like, hey, this hey, this is who I am. I remember we had another kid, this is a different kid, but we had a kid who showed up at our camp one time. And I remember going through the list of kids and going, Man, why does that name sound so familiar? Where have we seen this kid before? And it took us a couple of days before the event to realize, like, it's just a kid that's just been emailing us forever. Yeah, yeah, so, of course, right. the first thing I want to do is I want to meet this kid. Is she good? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I want to, yeah. you know, want, that was before you could send links of videos and like really get a, a sense of who these kids were. So you're kind of building that relationship and standing, standing out in that way. Um, but like I said, the first kid I was talking about, she shows up on campus. She takes a chance on us. We take a chance on her. Great kids, some great raw ability, and goes on to be just a, a phenomenal player and captain for us by the end of her career. Mm-hmm. So those things happen, but it doesn't happen without intention. Uh, yeah. She's very intentional of uh, going after what she wanted. And again, we weren't the only school she did that to. So it wasn't like, oh, it's it's all in at this school, or or I'm not yeah. going to school. You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. here are the couple of schools that I really feel are 
are going to be a good fit for me. Build a relationship. Get your name constantly in front of them so that all of a sudden your name just starts to ring a bell, right? Like yeah, who's this? Totally. Who's this Phil Dark guy I keep hearing about? You know, maybe I should do a little bit more research. Um, so, you know, I think it can be difficult for players who are in areas where they don't have. You know, I'm, I'm in Waco. We have some fantastic kids in Waco, but they're not playing for the Dallas. Most of them aren't playing for the Dallas ECNL teams. Right. They play for maybe a team in Waco that plays, you know, through a club in Dallas, but they're the RL team, one of the RL teams or or something. So as a coach, you know, how do you find those kids? And a lot of times it's it's because they're being intentional to reach out and stand out in certain ways. And now with video, you know, Hey, everything's you're able to video just about anything. Now put your clips together you know, hit, hit the coaches hard in your first couple of clips, you know, show, yeah. show the most amazing things that you've been able to do in those first couple of clips, grab their attention and then kind of tease out, you know, what your overall skills and abilities are to get their interest. So those are some things I think that stand out to me is that intentionality of a person. Don't be, uh, don't be deterred. You know, if you're not getting responses back right away, one, yeah. there may be some rules that limit that. But also I'm, I'm hearing now from players like, yeah, I just had some great interest at the end of the summer. And, and now all of a sudden they're just, they're all ghosting me. They're not ghosting you. They're in season. You know, they, right. went from, they went from heavy recruiting in July to preseason the first week of August. And they haven't forgot about yeah. you. You're still on the board, but yep. their priorities go from 80% recruiting to 80% preparing for the next match. That's right. And unfortunately recruiting kind of, it doesn't fall through the cracks, but it, it gets on hold for a little bit. And that process is a little bit slower, but, Right now we're, you know, we're in the first week of October. Teams are starting to figure out whether or not they're going to make playoffs or not. And all of a sudden you're going to start seeing the recruiting process pick up again here pretty yeah. soon where coaches are like, oh yeah, we got to get to that kid and start planning our next ID camp or the next events that we're at. So I would say the main word that I come up with is be intentional with your process. Yeah. You know, and, and you talked about that. Don did say, he said, you know, it's important to, to punch, punch them in the face with your videos, <laughs> with your emails, things like that to, to, you know, do it in a way that's obviously not disrespectful, not a, not like a literal, but just get their attention was the point there. And the other thing about that is, and I, I know, cause I've had, my daughter was going through this process and she's like, I don't want to annoy them. I don't want to annoy them. I just sent an email. I don't want to, and it's not send an email every day, but it, when, like you said, find a thing to find a reason to email. Hey, great win last week. Hey, you know, this is whatever, you know, just, I saw, like you said, the recruit, like that's how cool is that? You see them say, Oh, I just saw that you signed so-and-so what a great signing. I'd love to play with her someday, you know, like, you know, whatever, something like that. Then you're like, Oh, who is this kid? Like that? Not many people do that. What are those things that you can, can be a touch point? Because one of the things that I've talked to my kids a lot and and all the players that have played for me is, look, what we know, what I know as a coach is, and it's subconscious and it's not right. I'm not saying it's right, but it's this implicit thing that goes on in our head. If we want to like a kid because they've been sending us all these emails that have shown us that, oh man, this kid, this seems like a great kid. When we see him on the field, we're going to find things to like. Yeah. And on the flip side, if we have something in our head that was negative for whatever reason, whether it's a post on social media, whether it's something somebody's told us and we see them on the field, we're going to find that thing that will be, that will confirm our bias against that. It is what it is. And some coaches are worse than others on that. Do you agree with that? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think it, that's yeah. just part of building relationships, right? Yeah. You find a commonality and, 
you know, for the most part, people want to like people. Yes. Right. I mean, we're not, yes. we're not going through life going, no, okay, no, no, how no. can I not like that person? But you're right. What are the touch points? You know, similarly, you know, my my assistant Chuck for years, you say, hey, you know, if I ever get a point where, you know, I'm talking, sitting down, talking to another coach and they seem to be a little standoffish, I start asking about their family. You know, how, yeah. how are your kids? Like what's going on? And all of a sudden they open up because it becomes it's not it's not work related. It's it's right. it's, it's relate it's relational. And, yeah. and I think you're right. And then all of a sudden you're looking. You know, if you've got that relationship with a kid, you do go to a field and you want it to work because you, you're like, man, I like this kid. You know, she's cool, yeah. you know, or he's cool. Like, I want this to work, you know, and you start seeing, like you said, you start seeing the really good things that that they're that they're doing because you want you want it. You want it to work. Yeah. You just watch longer, too. And, you yeah. you know, you, you just you, you're going to give them more of a chance where the other one, you might confirm it by going, oh, yeah, well, especially if they're a kid who you don't know anything about. And you watch them make one mistake and you're like, OK, well, you know, I guess they're, you know, they're not doing as opposed to if you really want to like them, you'll see a mistake and you go, OK, well, you know, everyone makes mistakes. Right. You right. know, so it's just <laughs> Un- it, it unfortunately, is it is. unfortunately, that's it happens that way sometimes, you know, totally. Um, and you and hate that- to give people the perception that, hey, one mistake could like you know, ruin a recruiting opportunity, no, no, no. but, but I mean, there, there are times where you're more forgiving on mistakes than others based on, you know, because I think, I think what we're saying here, Phil, and I think it's important just to, just for me to point it out as we're yeah. talking through it, is that when you're recruiting, you're not just recruiting soccer. It's right. not just about soccer. Yes. You have to have the ability uh, to play at the, the level that you're, that you're going to go play at. You have to have ability that has to happen. But you have to be the right type of person too. you know, we talk a lot on this show about when we talk about leadership, you know, you first need to know how to lead yourself. You need to know who you are, what you're about, what you value. That's part of the recruiting process, too, is you need to know who you are, what you're about, what you value, because that's going to help you start to narrow down the on the girl side that, you know, what is it, 350 something schools on the boy side, uh, you know, 200 all just those are just division one numbers. Yeah. Help you start to narrow down what that that is. Because it's not just about coaches aren't just looking for that best soccer player, but who's the best soccer player whose personality also works into what we're trying to do off the field? How does it fit into the academic rigors of our of our college or university? Um, so I think that's kind of what we're saying is you're building that relationship that's really non-soccer and trying to make the soccer piece fit to that. Or you're recruiting a soccer player and you're trying to make the personality piece fit into the soccer. So all those things yeah. kind of have to go together to find that that right fit and conversely from the player and family standpoint the same thing right what are your academic and your athletic and your social goals how does that fit into what you're being presented on the other side from the different colleges and universities that you're considering yeah there's there's so much you know and as as you were talking there i just thought i had an idea and we're going to do this we're going to have like paul's recruiting minute in at least the halftime shows and post-match shows, we're just going to have like the, you know, like we might even have a jingle for it. I might come up with a oh. jingle for it. Paul's recruiting wow. minute, you know, like, <laughs> and I have like, you know, singing or something probably won't have that. But uh, if you yeah, think if of it, if you want to make that jingle, if you want to make that jingle, why don't you send it out to us and you can, you know, the a beat, whatever it may be, you know, we could get the beat for Paul's recruiting minute, but I, there's so much here. And I'm just thinking of all the different ways we can go with this. But the, the nice thing is, is, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, this stuff. So we have different yeah. opportunities for this. We're not going to fit it all in today, but I did want to, I did want to do this 
because I know there's a lot of people out there. Not you talked about this. I, my wife just met with someone the other day, and, and they were talking about this this idea of the coach. Yeah, the coach just kind of we haven't heard from him for a while. Yeah. And to your point, it was right before season, and now it's been season. Coaches just you know I talked with a, a couple coaches, and they said we don't do any recruiting during season. We focus on the team during season. We we just hit it hard after season, and you know, and we'll do it in the spring, obviously with spring ball. But but they're like we just we focus on and we, we might, if we might miss somebody, well, maybe, but probably not, you know, because yeah. we're just, and so they kind of trust that right fit conversation, but okay. So with that right fit, let's, let's, let's save that for another time. Cause I think Don talks about that right fit a lot and yeah. you can go talk to his, stuff. I do want to hear that from you, but that'll tease it for the next time we, we talk about this stuff, but the coaches. So I think we talked about the players, you know, right fit, find those right fits. And we'll get into that later. I think a lot of it just comes to what are the schools, not just soccer. What's the right fit? Well, beyond soccer, that's the teaser for that. But you find those right fits, you go and, and yet there's going to be other schools you're going to be talking with or other schools that are interested in you. And so a school may come to you because if you're going for the top 25 schools, chances are you're a good enough player to be seen by other schools a little D3 school, a little NAI school, and you're like, I don't want to go there. Forget that. I'm just not even going to respond. Why might that be something that's not a good idea, Paul? Well, thanks for setting me up on that one. There's a couple of things to consider here, right? Like, first of all, if you've been in the soccer world long enough, it seems huge, but it's actually really small, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, just that if you've listened to this show long enough, I think we talk maybe on every show, like how do we connect with these people? And most of it's because at least one degree of separation from someone right. else that, that yep. we know, right? So take into consideration, it's a small world. I mean, your club coach, if you're listening to this and you're a player or a parent, your club coach knows, you know, maybe 80% of the other club coaches that you're going to be competing with and against throughout your career, okay? From a college coach standpoint, it's even smaller network of people who all know each other, right? We're working each other's camps. We're recruiting, we're recruiting together on the weekend, side by side on the field. We'll probably have dinner together, you know, we're, we're competing against each other, but we're also for the most part, you know, pretty good friends when, it, when, the, when we're off the competition field. So we know each other. So it's not uncommon for coaches to even sit at a field and go, Hey, yeah, are you looking at that kid? Yeah. I'm looking at that kid. Yeah. What, you know, Oh, you won't believe the conversation I had with your dad. That, those are things that we're talking about on the sideline. Like, Oh yeah. yeah. Her dad's the, her dad's a crazy one over there. Like, Oh man. All right. How's the kid? Oh, well, she's great. Or she's, you know, so you're talking, you know, I'm getting yeah. information from other coaches that, you know, I've not even talked with the kid yet, but I'm getting some information or she's great. The family's awesome. Like they love this part of the country, whatever. So you're getting that information. I think another thing that's that's critical to understand is that, you know, one of the coaches most recruits will ask is how long are you going to be here? Okay. So they're intentional about sitting in front of a coach and saying, how long are you going to be here? But they don't take that same idea and go, well, I'm talking to this coach. I'm not interested. But the reality is, by the end of the year, that coach might be at a division that I'm actually in a school that I might actually want to go to. And I've seen it. I've seen coaches go after top kids that maybe had no business playing at their division, but made a connection and a bond. And when they moved up within that summer period or whenever it was, and they went to a higher level school, they're calling those kids like, hey, listen, we had a great relationship. You know, maybe I know that other school I was at wasn't a great fit for you, but now I'm at such and such. Right. You know, fits totally what you and I used to talk about when I recruited you to the other school. So 
those things happen or assistants are moving all the time. So if you blow off a coach and you give a, a, a bad response or you kind of burn a bridge, you know, it's hard to rebuild that again for a lot of different reasons. They know people that you're talking to and you may end up running into them again. I hate to talk about, you know, how easy it is to transfer these days. But when I have players talk to me about, hey, coach, I'm looking to maybe transfer. What do you think my best steps are? The first thing I tell them is like, when you go back, when you go into the portal, the portal to transfer, the first people you need to reach out to are the ones you already had relationships with, the coaches mm -hmm. that knew you and recruited you the first time around. So if you burn those bridges and you're in the portal, those coaches may not be interested anymore because you've, you know, you've kind of blown them off or, you know, put a bad perspective in their, in their mind. Like just be kind and courteous. If you're not interested in the program, say, Hey coach, like, looks like you're doing some great things at that school at this time. I'm, I'm looking to go a different direction, but if things change, I'll reach back out. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah. End of story. What do you think even about getting on a call with them or talking just to kind of, first of all, you don't know for sure. Maybe you'll meet this coach and be like, you know what? I totally want to play for this coach or it's practice for other conversations, right? Like even job totally. interviews, like to go on a job interview, you may not, it's a flyer. You may not be interested, but to go on that job interview, it's practice to be able to learn how to do this. Right. Yeah. So it is. Yeah, for sure. Where are you in the process? If you're the beginning of the process, take every phone call you can. Because yeah. like you said, you're right. You're you're practicing these phone calls. You're practicing how you're going to talk to to a coach, you know, and it's sometimes easier to talk to a coach that you may not be as interested, you know, mm -hmm. and so you're not as nervous when you talk to the coach that you are interested in. But but like you said, don't close any doors right away. If you're early right. in the process, you know, keep those doors open. You know, I've just I've worked with a client recently that you know, they really wanted a certain level. Uh, they wanted to go division one, right? I mean, everybody does. And, you know, we yeah. talk about right fit. It may not be right fit. And through this process, we kind of talked through that. We massaged it a little bit. She opened the door to have a conversation with a coach that, you know, had before we had our conversation, she probably would have never answered that call and took the call just to, to be nice and kind and, and realize like, yeah, you know what, I think I'm going to go visit. And, and, you know, it just opened a whole new world, uh, for her to figure out like, Hey, there's other things out here and no longer is it like, man, I've got to go division one. There's just so many other things that are important um, through this process. So absolutely take, like we've said before, take the call, right. Even if it just becomes a, a practice opportunity, but, but be honest through the process too. You know, if you get to a point where you're absolutely not considering a school, be respectful of their time, especially if like yeah. you'd be a massive impact player for them and they're, you know, calling you, calling you, calling you to say, you know, be respectful of their time, just as you would appreciate it from a college coach to say, hey, listen, I appreciate your interest in us. We're going to move a different direction so that you can move on also. And I think a point totally. to any college coaches that are yeah. listening right now to this, please be that be that coach for these these kids. You know, they, they have they're they're scraping and clawing and trying to figure out this process and they are hanging on to you like, you know, like no other, just hoping that you they will give them a response. If the response is no, please give them that courtesy and give them that response of, hey, thanks so much for your interest. We're moving a different direction. Best of luck in your college process. Free them up to move on, please. I just see too many college coaches who just either they don't have time, you know, excuse me for my sarcastic tone, but like you have time to shoot a quick email or have your assistant send an email don't send them an email saying, yeah, come to our ID camp if you have absolutely no interest. So yeah. we've been talking a lot to to parents and, and, and players, but I think just a moment for our coaches, like 
please be respectful of their time also, just as you'd like for them to be respectful of yours. Yeah. And on that note, how can you know when an invitation to a camp is not just a marketing auto reply versus a coach being actually interested in watching that player at a camp for whatever reason? Are there ways, are there some things like generalities that you can know, like when a coach is actually interested? Yeah. A couple things. One, if you're on a, if you're on a club team, okay. And you've just come from an event and it's Wednesday and you're getting emails from these teams, go to your teammates say, Hey, what emails did you get? Mm -hmm. Compare the emails. I got no problem with that. Okay. Yeah. Well, if they all say the exact same thing and they're coming to the exact same day within a day of each other from the same school because they've got an idea event. You know, it's probably just, Hey, come to our event. You know, if there's some personal information in there, Hey, I saw you play the 10. I really love, you know, it looks like you've got a high soccer IQ. I love what you were doing with the, with the, with your team and how you led your team. I think you might be a player. We'd be interested. Please come to our idea event. That's different than, Hey, we're hosting an idea event. We're mm -hmm. love to have you come. You know, I think it's, it's also flip. How do coaches know if you're interested? Well, how's is it personal? Is there something unique about the email or is it just cut and paste that you've sent to everybody else? I think that's one way to know whether a coach is really interested or not is, is it personal? Uh, have they really spent time to figure out like, okay, we really need to get this kid. And, I, and I, as a coach, I've done both. There's kids that they're on teams and maybe I didn't see enough of them. Like, man, this would be great if they just came to our camp. Like they might get a mass email, but there's certain kids. I'm like, man, I really need to see them in our structure. I will say that. Hey, Love seeing you at the event in Florida this weekend. You showed some great things. I'd love to see you see you in our environment around, you know, our coaches. I'd love to have the opportunity just to get my eyes on you in our environment. Come see what we have to offer. There's just little subtleties that yeah. are just different. And I, I would even say if you don't know, I think it's okay to respond to that email and say, hey, I'm really considering coming to your ID event you know, what, what did you like about my play? Are you really, are you seriously interested in us spending the time and money to come to your event? Yeah, okay. If fair. there's no response to that, they're not interested. Yeah. They're not enough to respond. If they're interested, they're saying, Hey, I just got an email from that kid. I think she's considering coming. I'm emailing you back. Okay. So I, I hope yeah. that, that makes sense, Phil, from your, from your side of that. But I think those are some ways to really totally. kind of, Totally. push through the sludge of, of interest. Now I will say there are some players out there that aren't going to get as many opportunities and it may be good for you to go to some camps, some ID camps. So I would just try to figure out, okay, what other schools are going to be at your ID camp? Is it worth your time? Is it close enough? Is it worth your time and energy and money to go and really do your, do your research uh, to make sure it's, um, you know, not just a cattle call or, or, or money maker or whatever, but it's a true opportunity to show, you know, your abilities in front of, you know, a school you may be interested in or collectively a number of schools that are be that are there to actually try to find players. So that was the last thing I wanted to say, and just real quick, and then we'll get into this in a future conversation about camps. Yeah. I want to do one on just, just camps, but generally yeah. speaking as parents are looking, cause you could spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on camps and some parents do. What would you say is, you know, if you're not getting that email, if it's not from an event, if it's, if it's not even a person you don't even get an email about a camp, Yeah, you're just like, Ooh, there's a camp and that school I want to go to is going to be there. 
what's the value in that? Is there, is there one without having any connection with them? Is it likely that you'll be seen at those big camps if it's not a specific school camp, you know, and maybe even make the distinction with that? Yeah. You know, it's, it, it really is a case by case thing, right? If, if you're not getting interest and you're not getting, you're not getting any emails, you know, is your team going to events where you can, can be seen? Um, maybe not. You know, maybe you need to hit some some camps. I know, you know, in the early days of coaching, you know, almost every almost every school had a summer camp, you know, that went from either four to four to six days and you'd go and you'd meet the staff. And, you know, it was a great opportunity to come in and really get into the culture mm -hmm. and identity of a school. You know, with the onslaught of identification camps now, it's changed to the one and two day weekend camps because there's so many for kids to, to really go to. So the way I would navigate that if I'm a player that's not really getting a lot of interest is, you know, one, if you if you have someone that can really, you know, vouch for you, whether it's your club coach or, or someone that you brought on that, that knows you, can they vouch for you and, and really help you help guide you to like, hey, maybe you don't need to be going to the Virginia camp or the North Carolina camp, ID camp, you know, because there aren't any schools there that really fit your profile, you know, but are there some smaller schools that are holding some some identification camps that are worth going to. And sometimes you'll find some of these smaller schools are bringing on some other local college coaches that are their friends. And you've got some opportunities to get in front of some other, other coaches. There are other, some, some other groups that do identification camps, but again, you need to make sure that you're getting in front of the right coaches, you know, whether it's uh, levels of schools or certain schools, you know, you're interested in and have maybe might have an opportunity to, to showcase yourself well in front of, and I would contact those coaches and make sure they're actually going to be there because um, some of these groups will, you know, they'll just post like schools that have previously attended our identification camps. Yeah. You know, my name, yeah. my name's probably still on some of them because they just don't go back through and, <laughs> and erase them, you know? Uh, yeah. I'm probably not going to be yeah. there representing yeah. Baylor university. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so really you, you have to do your research. What I keep coming back to in, in all of these things and I, and I, it, surprises me sometimes with some of the, the families that I work with is that no matter what, there is work involved. You have yeah. to work, whether you're the top player and you just got to weed through all the interest and figure out where you're going to land, or you're not getting any interest and you've got to generate that interest on your, on your own. How do you market yourself through, through email, through video, through figuring out which, which identification camps or which college camps to go to is a, is a process. And, and a lot of people need, you know, need advice and need help through that process. Yeah. Which is, you know, why SRUSA, things like that exist, right? Some people just right. need that, need that extra help. Some players, like you said, the top, top players, they probably aren't going to need that help. They're probably, they probably yeah. have letter after letter after letter. And that happens, but that's the exception Phil, to the Phil, rule. I, I tell, yeah. I tell the story when I was, when I was growing up, uh, there was a guy that I grew up with. We started playing soccer together when we were five. I moved to Conyers, Georgia at five. We were on the same team at five and we played with each other all the way till we went to college. He was a year ahead of me in school. So I watched his process. I'd go to his house and every week, you know, this is before email, yeah. but every week he would have letters from the top college coaches in the country in his mailbox yeah. every week. I mean, and the same ones, like, you know, yeah, Virginia and the South Carolina and North Carolina yeah. and like all these schools like week yeah. after week. And I'm watching his process and I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. You know, like I knew these coaches because they're like the best in the country. Mm -hmm. And he's getting these these letters um, and he's just got to figure out, OK, 
what's the best fit for me? Where am I going to go? When it came my turn, like I was getting some, some letters, but I had to go out and like go visit schools and like call yeah. coaches and like go through my book I had of who's at what school and blah, blah, blah. But we were at different levels. You know, the yeah. guy I'm talking about, his name is Clint Mathis. He played yeah. in the U.S. national team, you know, and I'm, you know, I played with him my whole life, but I was never that level player. So mm-hmm. it was his work that he had to do to find the right fit, which was South Carolina. And the work that I had to do to find the right fit, which was Presbyterian College, which they're only 40 minutes from each other, you know, it was two different levels of work, but you have to do your work. You have to do your research. It yeah. doesn't just show up on your front door. Even if you're a top, top player, if you're going to find the right fit, you have to do your work and you have to do your research to make sure that you're where you're supposed to be. 100%. Yeah. Cause otherwise you pick it just because it's North Carolina and you want to go cause they have the, but it may be a. Me, you might be a California kid and you might hate North Carolina. You might be homesick. You might have all kinds of other issues and it may not be a system that works for your style of play. So you still right. need to do that homework. Even if you're getting a million emails and all that other stuff, you still got to check it. You still got to go visit. You still got to go. You get to, I'm not saying God, you get to oh, like, how cool this, is that? What an back amazing to the beginning of this. time. Back to this yes. should be fun. Yes. You know, if you can get amazing. through the first little bit of the frustration of trying to figure out what to do, once you start to figure out what to do and which directions to yeah. go and how to have these conversations, it should be, it should be fun. It can be frustrating, but it should be, it should be fun. Once you get to the part where you're, you find the right niche, you've got the coaches reaching out, you're yeah. going on visits, you're meeting players, you're learning about different cultures of, of teams and coaches and styles and watching soccer. Like that's another thing. Watch these teams play that you're interested yeah. in. Yeah. And be be realistic, but this should be it should be a fun process um, that you that totally. you should look back on and go that was it was frustrating and it was hard, but it was awesome. Yeah, and on that note, I will end this by saying uh, I'm going to recommend a book. On that note, if you're feeling that this is a have to, like you have to, and if you ever feel, if you even have an inkling of a feeling that I hate soccer because it's just too much work. <laughs> Take a step back and go, why am I doing this, right? Because if you don't love the game and and you don't see it as a get to, you're going to burn out at some point. And it probably not, will not work. If it is something that it is so much work to play college soccer at whatever level you're playing. And the book is open by Andre Agassi. It's a tennis book. Mm. Yes. But it's all about Andre Agassi, who is one of the best tennis players to ever play the game. Number one, he won eight majors, eight slams. This guy is incredible. If you ever watched him play, I remember I had his shoes, his orange shoes back in the day, the Nikes. And, you know, images, everything, all of that, all of that was a farce. That was not him at all. And he, he said, I hate tennis. And everyone's like, yeah, you don't really hate tennis. He goes, no, no, I actually hate tennis. And until he changed his mindset from a get to to a ha- or a have to to a get to, so when he hated it, it was a have to. He won two slams that way, and he drudged yeah. through them. When he had it as a get to, he won six more, and that was after the age of twenty eight. So it's crazy to see. And you look at Djokovic, this guy who's mm-hmm. now playing. He he loves the game. He loves playing. He gets to. Right. And he gets to, he, I wanted to play to be able to show my kids that I played and I'm going to have them get it. Like that's a get to. So whatever it takes you to get to a get to mentality, if you can't, then I just take a step back and go, do I really want to do this thing? Don't do it because your parents want you to do it. Don't do it just because you're good and you think coaches want you to do it. Don't do it. All these other things. We will have all those conversations, but folks, 
you know, kids, especially parents, make sure your kids love the game. If you're, if you're, if you're looking to have them go to college. And I've had a couple of kids that I think are great players. I know are great players that have decided I don't want to play in college. And you know what? Good for you. You're, you're figuring that out now rather than going and doing it because somebody else told you that you should do it. Not a good reason to go do it. Um, now, if you don't want to do it just because, oh, it's a, it's a little bit hard. Well, life is hard. So if you love the game, <laughs> choose your heart. Yeah, exactly. Something's going to be hard if you're going to make it in life. So anyway. All right, folks. Well, with that, we are going to have more of these moments with with Paul. They will be shorter in the future. We'll do them as part of our halftime shows and post-match shows. Wanted to do this just especially with Paul's transition to SRUSA, but also because we know there's a lot of people going through the recruiting process, and it is going to start heating up here pretty soon. Um, so we want to help you if you're a parent. We want to help you if you're a coach, You know, because coaches get frustrated in the midst of this too because they're not getting the players they want. They're, so to know that, again, this is a get-to. You get to be able to have these relationships with these, these kids across the country and their families as well what a cool thing so to be able to see it as that hope that you're doing that and as always you can go to the show notes for this show and you can learn about warrior way that paul and marcy are doing you can learn about coaching the bigger game you can learn about the disc stuff that we're doing you can you can get the the uh book open you can get the link for that all those things we talked about today, SRUSA as well, we'll have a link to that. So so folks, take all that you're learning from this. Take this recruiting advice. Take all the other things from past episodes. If this is the only episode you've listened to because you saw recruiting, there are so many other things in the past episodes we've had with incredible mm -hmm. guests that will help you not just in the recruiting process, but in life and to see how this recruiting process, how the game itself will teach you about lessons that will help you get recruited too. So those are all things that if you have the mindsets that we're talking about in this show, it will help you. So take all that you learned from this show and use it to be a better player, a better coach, a better parent, a better spouse, a better kid, a better leader, a better in all that you do. And continually remind yourself that soccer does explain life and leadership. Thanks a lot. Have a great couple weeks. <laughs>